Hello, my name is Dr. Fabrice Robert Lubin, and I am a clinical psychologist. And I am Rachel Wagner, and I am a clinical therapist. Welcome to Mindful Chatter. This is a place where we keep it real, keep it relevant, catching up with one another, and most importantly, catching up with you. I'm so excited to catch up. This summer has been really off for us <laughs> because you went on another trip. I'm so proud of you. How was it? It was enlightening. Yeah? It was. I feel like we need to create space for us because I want to hear more about it. Yeah, I got I got lost on this trip in metaphorical ways and in literal ways. And I realized that you sometimes do not know how lost you are until you are found. Oh gosh. Which is a weird way to look at being lost. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Well, that's kind of scary at the same time though. It was really scary. We were huh. really lost. Oh and gosh. then we did not know that we were that lost until we were found. And then we were like, oh shit, we were really lost. Interesting per perception on that. Yeah, I perception. Perception. Per perception. Perception. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, well, so wait, I need to hear this story. I know, my trip got real. I feel like I need really, to hear this like, story. You didn't think it was gonna go in that hard, Yeah, and I'm did. actually really excited. Tell me more, tell me more, I gotta know this. So we decided to forego seeing San Francisco after visiting Oakland for a while. And we went to Sonoma County and Napa Valley, and there's a place called the Sugarloaf Canyon. Mm -hmm. So we- Didn't you post a picture of being lost? Maybe. You posted a picture yesterday. Maybe, maybe the picture probably came post being actual lost. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so once again, in terms of perception, right? One might think, oh, look at these great Instagram pictures of this vacation that like mm -hmm. Fabrice is on. Never realizing in that moment that we were lost because at the time we took the pictures, we did not realize we were lost because mm. we were not lost yet. Mm -hmm. So we decided, we decided to go to this Sugarloaf Canyon. We parked off the side of the road and they had a waterfall trek sign and then we were like, okay, let's go down. And so my partner and I, we take down the road and we see two paths that divided, right? And the two paths in front of us, one was like the regular trail path and then the other one was a bunch of cool boulders that we could like really scale on our own. Mm -hmm. And so- Decisions. Right? So mm -hmm. Ryan looks at me and she goes, I love bouldering. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, let's do this, right? So we start climbing up on all of these boulders and we're going and we're just walking and we're talking and we'd find little like streams to just sit at and we're just listening to nature in such a way that everything else in life feels way more complex yeah. than just the sound of water splashing and the sound of just trees swaying in the wind. Well, I feel like we don't get those opportunities in a city like this to get lost and be part of nature like that. Of course. That reminds me so much of my trip to Costa Rica where I literally just was so immersed in the jungle that you're like, wow, this, there's so many more amazing things than just me as a person. Right, because society. you feel simultaneously small in that environment and big. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's kind of like a relativity. And part of it. And part of it. So cool. So we just kept traversing different stuff. And then I'm asking Ryan at times, I'd stop her and say, like, do we know where we're going? Cause I'm, I haven't always been keeping track. I'm taking pictures maybe just from landmarks. And she's like, no, I'm really good. She was like, I'm really good at bouldering and I have great like directional sense when I'm like in the woods and things mm -hmm. like that. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we go, and then we decide to head back. Mm -hmm. And then it's at this point, as we're heading back, that we start to realize, like, maybe we don't remember where we got off exactly. Oh, yeah. Because you were <clears> so <throat> it lost in the experience. I don't want to sell, yeah, and I, and I know that there are a lot of people who probably know how to hike and do this. I don't. So 
all rocks kind of look the same to me. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say that. Like, so like when you see like one boulder that you imagine is, you know, that boulder looks very distinct. I'm going to remember one. this boulder. It's so then when one. you get to a boulder, is that the boulder that we saw? I don't know. Mm. So we eventually started starting to kind of mildly panic. And Ryan was just like, no, no, it's okay. We're just going to keep going. We basically knew there was a stream. And next to the stream, we knew all we had to do was just kind of just edge up, up. Mm -hmm. And if we just kept going, what felt like up to us, yeah. we would eventually hit the road. Something. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're going. Eventually, we found a trail. Oh, so great. now we're just following a trail. But, but we you don't, don't know, know if you're going in, in or out. Right. And there's no cell phone so reception. So we can't at all determine where we are on this like canyon or how big it is or how long it was to drive versus walk. Mm. So we I'm getting anxious just so, thinking about Yeah, this. so Ryan's heart is beating and she would turn to me and say, Is your heart beating? And I was just like, Well, no, you know, and I was doing that therapy thing, like I was like, No, nah, I'm gonna keep it together for mm. us. Mm. You know, so I'm like, No, nah, I'm got good. You. I'm good. We're just we're just gonna keep going up this way. Mm. Eventually we ran into somebody. So we thought, oh, we must be close. And we didn't stop this person to ask for directions because that would be admitting vulnerability and how yes. lost we were. And admitting that you have no idea where you are. Yeah, so 30 more minutes after that person walked by us, Mm -hmm. We're still, finally we find the road. Mm, now God. we don't know what direction the car is in. Is it down the mountain or up the mountain? And how far away are we? So we just start going in one direction, thinking that maybe we're, maybe it's down this way. So we're mm. walking and then eventually we don't see our car after like 20 minutes of walking. Oh my God. So this sounds like my worst nightmare. Now we just start heading back. We're, we're going to head back up and then Ryan hears a car. So just imagine in terms of perception, imagine that you're driving down a mountain mm -hmm. and you see two people wildly waving their arms. And I can only empathize with what it's like I to would be- I think emergency. Emergency. But also I think, do I want to take responsibility for whatever I'm about to hear? Because mm. to me, if two people are coming out of the woods and they're wildly waving their arms, Nothing good can be. Yeah, you know. Scary movies yeah. teach us: do not pull over. Right. Do not pull over. Mm -hmm. Do not pull over. Do not pull over. So that's what scary This woman tell does us. stop, and I we can see in her face she's like, "What am I about to?" Because it could be anything mm -hmm. except for a birthday party surprise, right? So well, maybe, maybe could be. So. We asked, where's the waterfall? She's like, actually, it's down the mountain. And they're like, oh, okay, great. And then she's about to drive off. And then she stops her car. And she goes, do you guys want to ride? Well, that was nice. And, and at first we're like, no, this is just down the mountain. And she's like, oh, it's a little bit more away than you think. So we were really far away from our car. Oh, gosh. And we had probably been lost for about three hours. We did not know that we had been, like I said, until really like we saw where our car actually mm -hmm. was. So then we got to our car and we breathed a sigh of relief. We had just lost our water. Like we had the last sip of, because we were just guzzling it thinking like, yeah, we're good. You know, <laughs> first rule of hiking is you guys probably really got your steps consume in. resources. So like, <laughs> I, I think our cityness really came out. <laughs> we're like, we got our cell phones. We'll be all right. We got our water. Yeah. Gosh, we are so privileged. So, that, so that's, that's quickly my story of, of being lost and not realizing I was lost until I was found. Well, I'm so happy that you found your way, you know, because if not, then we wouldn't be able to continue this podcast. So. Yeah, I would have been missing for days. In my own <laughs> selfish mind. <laughs> yeah. In my selfish mind, I'm glad that you found your way. So, well, that's awesome. I can't wait to catch up more about that. Yeah. That's really cool.
So we're excited because... We're super excited. So today we're doing something a little bit different than we usually do. Um, so we are inviting two of our own onto the podcast. We hope to be able to have opportunities to do this a little bit more often. So Alan, who you guys know, our lovely producer... Hey, everybody. <laughs> he's going to be joining <laughs> us today on our topic. And then we also have Lauren Jackson. She's wonderful. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey everybody, um, I'm Lauren Jackson. I'm a clinical therapist as well and life coach. So I, that's just really fancy for saying I love helping people. <laughs> and it's just really it at its core. So yeah, I'm just excited to be here today. Yeah. Well, we are excited to have you guys. So Fabrice, what are we talking about today? We're talking about perception. Mm. So what is perception? Well, I guess from my perspective, what perception would be is in two folds, how I perceive myself and then going to the societal point of view. And a lot of times within that, there's a lot of confliction because there's a part of myself where I feel like I'm living up to certain specific standards, either set by me or by family members, or there's a societal thing where it's kind of like, well, I'm not where I'm exactly supposed to be when I'm looking at what maybe some of my friends are doing or what, you know, at my age at this point in my life where I thought I would be. So there's a lot of, I don't know if you want to call it internal conflict that comes around perception, but that's where perception kind of fills in for me. And then trying to navigate through that, especially as a therapist, it becomes a little tricky. Oh my gosh, totally. And I would just want to say in that, like, preach, I swear. We did this episode um, where we talked about you know, our identities. And I feel like as a young woman as well, I, I find that I have this constant perception or judgment that I put on other people of what they're thinking about me and what I'm doing with my life. So I think that that's a huge thing. Yeah, that's my, my I mean, and I think too, when you're looking at it, especially in today's society, when we have so much going on, especially under the current administration that we're under as well, it kind of plays a, 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 a trick on your psyche. It's kind of just like, well, I mean, if this is the standard to live up to, then what did I do wrong living in, in the life that I thought, if you know, if I did it this way, if I did it a certain way, if I stuck to the rules, if I did A, B, C, D, this should be the outcome. And now it's kind of like when you become an adult and you experience life, it kind of turns your world whole upside down. Yeah. To kind of kind of to go off that as well, like it's funny how how media and social media also influences your perspective on things. And Rachel, something that you had said that um, society views you a certain way, but there's also your perception of how society views you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, I feel like that's where I go wrong. Anyway, I tend to think that people think this way about me when it's totally not like that at all. You know what oh I mean? My God, yes. And it's like it's like it's like a, a struggle sometimes to actually surrender my own thoughts and just allow things to be as they are, if that makes sense. I can't help but notice that there's this sense of, you know, what is perception? And immediately we started to talk about the tension that we experience. And I think like that is an immediate and very honest way of looking that perception is not just how you see something, but also that how you see or perceive something is also influenced by how other people have told you how you should see or view something. Mm -hmm. We see perception 
as something, I, as therapists, I feel like we see perception as, as a very pervasive kind of thing that people are coming in with. How do I perceive myself as a daughter? How do I perceive myself as a student? How do I perceive myself as a wife or husband? And how do those perceptions clash with what my society tells me, what other people tell me I should feel or think or do. Well, it's interesting because I'm coming into this really fun and terrifying point with moving and going back to Ohio, which I talked about before and here, being from a small town in Ohio and the perceptions that that have, all my friends that are back in Ohio that are married with kids. Um, so that's kind of this weird identity struggle that I'm facing, but I'm also- Wait, wait, what is your worst, if you had to really just identify the worst perception that you have of being from small town Ohio, what would that be? That people might have of you, your worst fear of being perceived when, when you say that. Um, I would say the biggest thing is, I guess my fear of it is going back to Ohio and people thinking, oh, she's coming back here and that's a failure. She came, she moved to the big city. She was in this like fancy private practice and now she's coming back. Like seeing it as like a back step instead of a move forward, I think is a judgment that I put on it sometimes. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Because you know what? This was the first year I actually stepped out full time to be an entrepreneur. And because of everything that's been kind of happening in my life where experiencing four deaths in um, the year, and then on top of it, going from having steady income to like hit or miss income. And then recently I just had to move back in with my mom. And I felt the exact same way where I was like, I feel like I'm hustling backwards. Like this was not the perception of what I thought this process was gonna look like. And it's kind of like internally, it was like, I know I'm not a failure. I know this is in service of the bigger picture, but at the same time, you gotta, you kind of look at it like, okay, but, but why do I feel like I was supposed to just have success like this versus, you know, it's, it's about, just a process. I think it's about like coming back to that, to that oh own God. perception that you have, trying to get back to like your own dreams, your own goals yeah. again, right? And I think the best way to look at that, either moving back home or, or taking that step back, so to say, is I'm not moving back home in with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's fine if you need to. I just want to say. Y'all. A majority of adults <laughs> in their 30s, statistically speaking, are actually living with their parents Which again. is a and smart this, financial move. Which is a smart financial move. But and here's the thing that I'm also struggling with is that financial piece. Because people are like, are you moving back in with your parents? And I'm like, Fuck, I probably should have. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yes. in the grand scheme of it, I probably should have to save money. But in my own stubborn way, I was like, I just, I don't want to. And I'm like, I'm going to hustle backwards, maybe get myself in a little sticky financial situation, which I'm also not proud of because I'm in a good financial situation right now. And that's my privilege. But it's like this scary thing of like, what if I'm not successful? What if I make this move that is aligned with my values, but it doesn't work out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's beautiful. I don't know. I think I, there, there's, there's this book I've been reading called Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. And there's this part which talks about mystery and the unknown being one of those, those human virtues that actually I think should excite us. And it's amazing, like for example, like I write a lot of music. And so 
whenever I take on a new project, I never know what it's going to sound like or what it's going to do. When an artist comes in and they want me to create an instrumental for them or record them, I tell them, I don't know how to make your album, but we're going to figure it out together. Together, we're going to gain the perspective on the story that you want to tell. And whether you're moving back home or taking these, these, these different elements, all of these are just tools, I feel. And I feel like you should not discount any tool that you have that you've gained over your yeah, life. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's this, this thing that I think is important, thinking about this idea of hustling backwards. And I think of the narrative that people start off with when it comes to success or bad things happening. We quickly first want to look at things as, okay, well, I've seen enough movies and I've read enough biographies to suggest if something terrible happens to me, then something good will automatically come of that. <laughs> then that doesn't happen, right? So I, I can't help it's with- karma, right? right? Oh my God, yeah. I swear, Fabrice, let me just tell you this story really quick. I have been like counting my karma points. So real quick anecdote with that. So I, um, so work double paid me. And in my mind, I'm like money, money, money. But of course, be, I'm not going to just keep it. So I let them know and I paid them back the appropriate amount. But in my head, I'm kind of like, but what if, what if I just kept this money? And then automatically I was like, absolutely not. I don't need that bad karma right now. I don't need that to affect me because it is that all like, you know, if you do this reaction, you're going to have this reaction. You know what I mean? Right. So there's that perception. It makes me think of Drake. And I, th like, I think of like, started from the bottom, now we're here. If it were my song, it'd be started from the bottom, kind of stayed at the bottom, <laughs> kind of lingered at the bottom, <laughs> met friends at the bottom. Oh I felt really tired. So I decided to stay at the bottom for a while. Right. Uh, then I kind of got over there. <laughs> so not accurate. No. Yeah. Not here, just got there. You know, so there's there's this term that's used a lot in therapy that we call setback. And to me, I think of it visually as a mountain. At times in our lives, there are we're on this mountain, and at times you have to go back down because the cliff or the thing that you want to actually reach is impossible to reach by going through direct means. So what's happening is that from our limited perception of something, our senses tell us we're going down. We're going through something that's hard. We're going through something that's really challenging and difficult. And maybe we're always going down or we've always go been going down and our thoughts will get attached to stuff like that. But if someone were taking an outside view of us on this mountain, what they would see is, hey, there's no other way for us to go other than to go to that place in order to reach the next goal that we're going through. And to me, at its best, that's what it is when I feel, you know, when I'm with my own therapist or when I'm with a friend that really supports me and understands me or I'm one of my family. People who understand that these setbacks, these things that you're going through, that's just part of what it is, the detour that it is to get to the next place. I love that. And I don't even, I don't even think it's a detour. I think it's part of it. You know what I mean? I think maybe it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like because we're always going to start off on this path or this journey or this hike, let's say. And we're, as we go through it, it's not like in our mind, if we've never done it before, I've never done my life before. I don't know what's going to come up, right? You have done your life before. You just don't remember your own death. <laughs> For real. All right. Let's start. I can't even get into that right now. But I think the bigger picture in that is that we don't know what's going to come up on this hike. Or we don't know what's going to come up on this journey. And it's more of being mindful of, okay, so I could take this path in front of me that might be more direct, but seems really difficult. And my ankle is hurting a lot. So I could take that one and get more hurt and feel like a lot more pain. Or maybe I could take this one that's a little bit 
rocky, a little bit easier, but seems like the right path to get me to where I want to go, the same point that I want to be into. So we take these things and we see them on the journey and we can accept them. We can be like, all right, there's a boulder. Fuck it. I'm going to sit here and just like wait till the boulder moves. Or we can say, all right, there's a boulder in my path. Maybe I need to take a break and sit here for a second. And then I'm going to go ahead and take on that boulder and climb over that boulder so that I can continue forward in this journey to get me to where I want to be. So the question I want to ask you all then, and this is something I I guess brought in a lot, I think in therapy is the conflict or the tension between how do I know what is a boulder that is in the way of the thing that I'm going and how do I know that it's, that I'm just not headed in the wrong direction completely. And I think that's the scarier thing kind of that is really coming out in some of this like moving back in with my parents or not moving back in is the idea of what if this is an actual wrong decision so how do how do we as people how do how do we struggle with this and how do we i think think you don't know i think you have i think you have to figure it out i think you have to um just make it happen i think part of of accepting your life is to to recognize at the moment you're in um, can't be uh, seen from a different perspective yet, that that perspective will come to you. Um, one question that, that I, I was thinking about earlier today was, is perspective a revealer of a truth or is it simply another vantage point in which to view things? <sighs> Deep thought. I wish you guys can see my face right now because I'm struggling with it. You know, I think it's probably a mixture of both to a certain degree. You know, kind of touching on what Fabrice was saying, I think it's a a certain amount of acceptance you have to come to terms with that you're not going to know. And I think when there's an idea of accepting that peace, there a piece of it there's a certain amount of peace that comes with okay whatever is coming my way I'm just gonna have to kind of face it head on and I think about me in particular you know with my faith spiritual faith that kind of guides me in everything that I do but I would be lying if I didn't say I question God during this time period of my life where it's kind of just like okay you told me that this was what I was supposed to have but I think had we known everything that we were going to have to go through to, to even get to that vantage it, it point. It evolves, right? It, I, I don't think that we would do it. I think we would seriously paralyze ourselves and stay at a standstill and wait for the boulder to move because we wouldn't do it. I, I honestly think if everything was revealed to us all at once, it would be so overwhelming to the point where we will literally freeze <laughs> and we wouldn't know how to even move forward. <laughs> I totally agree with that, Lauren. I am, and this is my 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 favorite phrase, I love all of that. And I, I totally agree with all of that. I think there can be, I want to add an element to that because I do agree. I think that there's exceptions that comes to it. And I think that we do have to take life piece by piece by piece. Because if we have moments that there's too much information coming in, there's too many decisions we have to make, you're right, it does get overwhelming. But I think if we're mindful in that moment, kind of like with the boulder, I can sit here and wait for it to move, or I can say, I'm too tired right now, I need a break, and be mindful of what's actually going on for us in this tough, big obstacle that's in front of us, I think we could decide, okay, 
this boulder actually is too big for me right now, so I need to find a different way. Or I can rest, this boulder is right sized and I can get over it if I take my time and use my skills. Yeah, You know, I think of it in terms of relationships as well. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, especially when a relationship's first beginning, you want to see each other all the time. You're constantly together. Mm-hmm. And at some point it gets kind of weird to spend time apart, right? But I feel like a lot of the times when you when you do suffocate it in that way, you do lose perspective. So I think it's always important to come back to yourself. Yeah. Really like regain your own self perspective before you continue. But you know what, one thing that I have a tendency of noticing is that a lot of people have a hard time, myself included, just being. And what I mean by just being is that a lot of times when we allow ourselves to just sit still, take in, what am I feeling? What am I, how am I interacting in this moment? How am I taking in this time? How am I really perceiving all this stuff? I think we're scared of the silence and the answers that can come in that silence. So with that being the case, we will run the hell away from it as much as possible to not be, to sit up here and ask 50 million questions of, well, should I do it this way? Or should I do it that way? Or or even kind of going to everybody else for their perception, but it conflicts with who we know we are internally. So then instead of just allowing yourself to take that moment and just be, you do everything in opposition of that. And you don't allow yourself to, allow yourself to naturally come to those moments where it's kind of like clarity can be found. It's this cultural push that it's counterintuitive when you're struggling to relax. Instead, we're told that we should problem solve. Instead, we're told that we have, there's something fucked up about us Mm -hmm. or we're somehow broken because we ended up in this place in front of this boulder. So then not only now are we kind of struggling with the boulder in front of us, but now we're actually upset that, well, I must have gone the wrong way because there is a boulder. As if life is supposed to just be this continuous road where there is no obstacle. Introducing this idea that conflict is a constant. There is no such thing as comfort. Comfort is an illusion that can't ever really be found. And sometimes I think in my life, it's which conflict do I want to have? The conflict of taking the time to rest and figure out what I need to do for myself and for my family? Or do I want the conflict of lying and pushing myself forward and then I end up being in a place that I never wanted to be or it didn't intend to, that fit with my values or who I am? I will say though, I disagree just a teensy tiny bit because I think- That's okay, Rachel. (laughs) just, Just a little teeny tiny one because I literally the other day had a moment of comfort. I had a moment of stillness and everything was just kind of like, and I think maybe it was more of a moment of acceptance that allowed me to gain being comfortable because there's a lot of shit moving around me right now, right? But I was riding my scooter. It was like a crisp fall day and I literally had this moment where I, and I got a free coffee for some reason and a free t-shirt for some reason. Just these things that just happened. Because you stole them. I did not. (laughs) It's not free, Rachel. I did not steal them. them. I did not steal them. You stole a coffee and a shirt from somebody? I did not. I would never do that because of my karma, okay? I'm all about that right now. I'm counting the points right now. But I had this lovely moment where I literally just smiled for no reason. And I was like, wow, I feel at peace. I feel still, I feel comfort. So I just want to add that piece because I don't think that it's impossible or that it doesn't exist. Well, the idea of continuously maintaining and seeking out comfort above all other things to me is that what I I'm agree. Saying. Okay. 
Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) That was also my t-shirt and coffee you took. I did not take your t-shirt and coffee. Karma points. I'm counting them. So I have a question for you guys. As therapists, how does it feel kind of having that vantage point? People come in to see you. Do they expect you to have a greater perspective or what kind of perspective? You know what? It's funny. I really think about when people come in, especially when it's their first time coming into therapy, they think that they can knock it out in one session. Like you got all the answers. You got the magic ball, eight ball or in the in the little spell or whatever. And then everything is kind of good. But in reality, sometimes when they come in, especially just depending on what all they're coming to therapy for, you find yourself as a therapist, at least for me overwhelmed and sometimes I'm just in session like let me take a moment because I have no clue (laughs) as to what to provide to you in this moment whether it's like a tragedy whether it's just so much stuff is going on that I kind of am picking up on all your your stuff I guess to say it's yeah it can be a little daunting sometimes and one of the things that I've found that grounds me has been owning kind of how daunting those moments can really be. I think of when I'm working often with couples, the first thing that I'll say is this is going to be awkward because it feels awkward to me, Mm -hmm. earnestly. It's really strange to be in a room with two people and you don't know anything about them and they're supposed to give you all this information about their sex life, about what's happened to them, about what they've been through, things they haven't even shared with other family members. And they're just supposed to make this exchange blindly. Well, you know what thing that I like what you said, but coming from a therapist perspective, owning that is the most difficult part because it's kind of like, okay, so this is totally wrapped up in my own ego and self. It's just like, this is what this podcast is about. Get it it out. Get it out, Laura. Yeah. I'm going to allow myself just to even take ownership of the fact that Sometimes my perception won't allow my ego to even admit that, hey, I, this is this is going to be awkward. This is going to be a lot. And a lot of times I will try to force myself to find a perception. I love that self-disclosure. <laughs> that is a growing moment. I love that so much. We brought it out of you. But it's true because I think it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I can admit in sessions this is going to be awkward and I don't know everything (laughs) and I might not be the perfect fit for you. I might not be the perfect therapist for you. My ego is telling me I'm great for everybody (laughs) and I will understand everybody. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be moments where I might not be the best fit. But the biggest thing with this is, and I tell people and I, I mean, anybody that I meet really it's going to take us time to get to know each other and it's going to take me time to understand your perception via your point of view because I don't know what that is. I see the world and I see your experiences through my point of view, through my lenses, but I want to know more details about how you see it. Totally. It's like this constriction that says, I have to be the best. I have to be the best therapist or I must be perceived as knowing all things. One of the, the challenges sometimes for me is telling people that uh, I'm a doctoral level whatever. And as if there's some hierarchy and I reach this pinnacle place where I know more, it's to me, 
the older I'm getting, the more that the questions I have actually are expanding. So it's not that I am ready made. It's almost like I'm more willing to unravel. And that unraveling process shows me how complex everything that happens around how much I don't know. For me, it's like, I feel the same exact way, dude. Sometimes people will come in, like, for example, I work at the Apple store downtown North Michigan Ave, and people will come in sometimes, they'll be musicians, and I'm a musician as well, and they'll show me their stuff, and nowadays, I actually don't like telling people that I'm a musician as well sometimes, because I want them to show me their music from a perspective of me being a potential fan, not a competitor, not somebody who's in the same genre or field as them, but just like somebody who enjoys something that they've created, period. You know what I mean? That, that I'm not going to analyze it. I'm not going to like overindulge on it, but I just want to be. You know what I mean? And that jumps into something that we kind of were discussing prior to our recording, which is when people come up to you and they say, well, what do you do? And their perception quickly changes when you tell them you're a, a psychologist or you're a therapist. Mm-hmm. Lauren, what oh, do they say? <laughs> you know, it, it, the frustrating thing is when I go to my family. <laughs> like it's it's every every reunion every get together they're kind of like oh you know she's a therapist now right so she's already analyzed and assessed you and all these other words and we just <laughs> learned them because we talked to her all this time and and, and that's the the biggest frustration it's kind of like an automatic well you shouldn't act that way because you're a counselor you should know better and sometimes in that capacity I really want to refrain from saying I am anything related to this field because I don't <laughs> Then there's this added pressure of, well, this is how I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that at all. Oh my gosh. I literally <laughs> had this moment. I was dating this guy and he would be like, well, you're a therapist, so you should be communicating better. And I was like, actually, I am using I statements. You're the one that's not communicating well. <laughs> but it's so annoying because people will use that against me. And some in relationships and friendships, they'll be like, okay, well, you're the therapist, so you shouldn't be upset in this moment. Like I'm immune to emotions or something, which it's so frustrating or because you're, I'm not. Or you're immune to mistake. Right. Uh, there, I have a literal text message from my mother-in-law, who I love and adore, where she said, how could you be a psychologist and make these types of mistakes? Mm. Oh my God. I, I think about that with my mom because she, I, I'm in the beginning stages, of my my career she was just like well you're a counselor you you gotta have it together and i'm like it, it recently got to a point where she was like you gotta suck it up you gotta do it. and i remember stopping her saying no this is how i feel you can't tell me how i feel i'm going to tell you how i feel and you can either take it or leave it but let's go from that standpoint and it, it was kind of to the point where she was kind of like whoa where is that kind of coming from? Or I remember I had another aunt who works in the social service field and she was like, well, you need to manage your your um, anger better. I was like, well, you're passive aggressively really kind of provoking this anger to come out in the first place. So what I kind of learned also when I'm sharing what I do for a living is making sure I put down some boundaries within that. Because I do feel as though sometimes when you share, especially us that are therapists, you know, people have a tendency of just wanting to spill their guts to you every time they see you. And it's kind of like, okay, well, these are the boundaries of, of this relationship. Yeah. Unless it's being reciprocated, I can't allow myself to even vulnerably open myself up to you in that capacity.
you know, there's this, Ellen and I were talking about over lunch and kind of pulling from what we're hearing today. There's this idea that you can give a person a perspective. We can talk even on this podcast, what it's like to be a therapist or to be asked questions around that. But what we cannot provide is perception. We can't change your senses over a thing. And I think that that's one of the most important things to remember in terms of how we exchange information with other people. I can't make a person literally see and feel my way. All that I can ever hope to do is to create a space where some of my experiences can hopefully be translated and given. So it's like there's this phrase that I often use with my guests, you know, you can speak your truth. You can speak your truth to your mother, to your mother-in-law, to your parents, to whoever, to your boss, but you have to surrender that outcome. Yeah, because we aren't going to know how they're going to take it or perceive it. That happens a lot in relationships, whether it's friends or um, otherwise. I think I mentioned, you know, with me leaving, I'm having some tougher conversations with friends. Uh, I had a friend in particular who ended up like writing me this really long email. And it just was very clear that our perspectives on this disagreement that we had were completely different. And I had to surrender in that moment and just say, she's not going to understand where I'm coming from because her perception of this is so different. She could maybe, I guess, like understand from my point of view where it's coming about from, but from her dialogue and from her story, it was completely different. And it goes back to what Lauren was saying about, about boundaries, having to put up those boundaries that say, you know, you're, I'm going to relinquish control of this, of trying to convince you, of trying to make you see me in a particular way because that's the only way it can be done. Right. And that's what happens a lot of times in fights. When people have fights with one another, they are just so stuck on their perspective. Yeah. They're so stuck on their perception of what happened. Mm-hmm. Kind of like fighting fair. It's kind of like honoring that other person's perspective, but still staying true to what you believe as well. And I think that's a dance that you just kind of learn to tango in the in the midst of it. But also, I think when you're when you're coming from that perspective, the whole idea of not only just fighting fair or just understanding the perspective is that we all come from a place of we get to choose what we want to take away from this perspective. And from that place, you can choose like whether I'm going to stay mad at my friend or not. Um, or I can choose what is the most beneficial thing that could be in service of my relationship or be in service of myself or be in service of this whole situation that I can choose to take away versus fall, allow myself to fall victim to. Something that I ask myself now is what would the best version of me do? Mm-hmm. And looking at it from that lens to dictate some of my actions, what would the best version of me say? The best version of me might say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I still care about you, even though we might disagree. And that's exactly kind of the the standpoint I took in this was I have this boundary that I shared last week when we did the podcast on boundaries. If you guys haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's really great. I love boundaries. But I have this boundary with the people here that I've made very clear and with my friends. And yes, there is this idea of how do I maybe try to save this. But when it gets to a point where this boundary has been crossed and crossed and crossed and crossed, I can no longer continue to put in if I feel like the other person isn't putting in. So I think that there is that vantage point, but I can also still respect that this person has a different perception on what happened. And I totally do. It makes me think of the question of 
what is about you and what is not about you. Within an argument, I feel like as you're tossing points back and forth, that's also something that you're trying to decipher is, is this thing that this person's annoyed by or is bringing up or is excited for about me or is it more of a story of who they are? And how can I better connect to their story and reveal mine within that? A quick way of looking at it is I ask myself sometimes, what might be, if, if everything that they're saying, 90% of this is ridiculous and not about me, what is the 10% that is that I might have to speak to and sit with that might be uncomfortable? Yeah, it's that part about just the taking ownership. And I remember one thing that my professor taught me when I was in grad school, and she just wrote it up there, Q-tip. And I was like, what, what is this standing for? She's like, quit the taking rapper. everything. <laughs> Not the rapper. Not the rapper. You know, I love his music. Oh, my God. No, it stood for quit taking it personally. Because a lot of times people are just projecting what their perception is, what their feelings are. That nine times out of ten have nothing to do with us but how they were raised, how they were, you know, taught to look at certain things, the different perceptions and perspectives that they've been kind of taking in along the years. So I think kind of if we kind of look at it from that standpoint, okay, this really isn't about me. But the part that Fabrice was talking about, that is the part that I can take ownership of. Let me take ownership of that. And I think that comes to a place where you have to grow into maturity, where you realize Okay, I am not perfect. The world is not, you know, revolve around me. And, and, and knowing that, okay, I know I do play a part, but I'm not going to overcompensate on the parts that I know I did not do, but I am going to take ownership for the parts that I know I played a role in. And also, if it wasn't my intention to offend you or hurt you in any way, I'm going to take ownership of that. It's being respectful, but also learning and growing. And I love that. It's it's also in those moments, acknowledging what we did wrong and how we played a role in maybe the demise of this relationship. And I think by doing so, it helps to turn the conversation around. It now opens up that person that had a perception of you. By holding their hand, you're basically willing to walk together to figure out what's best for you two together. Yeah, and whether you can create repair from that situation, yes. learn more about yourself and how can I do better? How can I maybe change this behavior that I do do that's not great? Or maybe it's this acceptance of, again, this relationship seems to have changed. I still respect you as a person, but I'm going to move and grow in a different direction. Something I tell Aveline a lot is... I'm, I never want her to like leave a situation thinking this is my fault or this thing is my fault or this is your fault. But to really sit down and ask ourselves, how is this my responsibility? Whether it's a community that's impoverished, whether it's a person who cut me off in traffic, the question is, is not that was their fault or like really pointing the finger, but how, I, how am I responsible for this person? The question is heavier than a morning sun. You think about poems you've read and see yourself in a new light, and it's not a good one. You realize that poets weren't poetic at all, just desperate enough to want to make life work in such a way that it finally does. At best, I can write down a version of the story, call it forgiveness. It doesn't sound very good, but it's all we sometimes have. I cannot speak openly today. 
The door of my mouth is jammed, crowded, with thoughts so large that they cannot squeeze through. It's hard to breathe when life is like this. I want to say a simple hello, but I hate the small talk. I love the big questions, the kind you cannot swallow, in one mouthful. Something to chew on feels best. A question that makes me hungry for more questions is better. That was beautiful, dude. I'm killing it. Is that a Fabrice Robert Lubin original? Yes, it was. Yes, it came out of a lot of, a lot of failure. <laughs> so this has been episode 22. Oh my gosh! And you guys, we're gonna really try to get back onto that reg schedule. Um, and I will also still be recording, but it will be from Cleveland. So don't worry. We're gonna really try to make this happen and keep this going. Will it be taped inside of your parents' house? Uh, no, you know, <laughs> it's like, no, it won't be. But what you know, it'd be. It's fine. I'll, I will survive. Um, so this is episode 22, and it was about perception and perspective and all of those fun p words alan is the producer of our podcast if you wanted to hear more of his music go over to soundcloud.com slash vibes head over check out our website it's mindfulchatter.org subscribe to our channels rate us on itunes that's how more people can find out about us share us with others we are up on soundcloud.com slash mindful chat we're up on itunes as mindful chatter follow us on twitter at mindful chat and if you want to hear us talk about anything at all uh send us your inquiries to mindfulchatterpodcast at gmail.com but this week who are we sharing it with fabrice i think we should share it with pet lovers around the world pet lovers not just dogs and cats if they like snakes or rabbits i don't care you know you love pets just love pets or you love to pet people if you like to pet if you like petting that's just don't pet people without their permission okay true okay Oh yeah, I just wanted to add too. I'm actually on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and like everything now. Um, yeah, search for me, guys. If, if you type in Cillian, C-I-L-L-I-A-N, I have two singles out. Virgin is one and Ocean Drive. You said what? I'm official. Oh my I'm God, official. Alan, I'm so excited. Everyone needs, all pet lovers and everybody else that listens to us needs to go check it out. <laughs> um, you can also follow me on all social media. Um, under Hey Miss Lady. So it's H-E-Y-M-Z-L-A-D-Y. That is my women's empowerment website. We do a lot of workshops throughout the Chicagoland area for our Life Worth Living seminar series that we've been doing. So you can definitely check us out at HeyMissLady.com, HeyMissLady on all social media sites, and then also a little bit more to come on Miss Lady University. So I'm excited. Please. Oh my God, I love all of that. I am so jazzed. We, our friends are so talented. Everyone is accomplishing so much. Accomplishing However, so much. However, remember, we started from the bottom, then we stayed at the bottom, and we lived at the bottom. <laughs> and We're then we still got on the path there. somewhere. We got over there. Yeah. But anyways. This has been Mindful Chatter. We'll see you next time. Bye.